This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Today I want to talk about a life on mission. Take your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Now, I have the pleasure today of uh, preaching with my wife, and I love when Pastor Candy and I get to preach together. So uh, I am going to uh, watch my time so she has plenty of time. She said last night when I uh, told her how much time we had, she goes, I won't have enough time. Well, I'm going to make sure she gets enough time. Can I just get an amen in the house? With that said, maybe I should just give it to her right now and just let her come on. Someone said amen. (laughs) Oh, that was not the place to say amen. Oh, you hurt me. You hurt me. All right. Luke chapter 14. Let me set her up. Can I do that? And then she's going to bring the house down. Luke 14, 15. This is the great supper, uh, the great feast that uh, Jesus is talking about. He is still at a feast himself. He's at the feast of the chief high priest, and uh, they're dialoguing, and he leads into this story. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 is where we'll begin reading. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At that time, at the time of that banquet, of the banquet, he said to his servant to go and to tell those who had been invited to come because everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I've got to go see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just, fo- I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house, the master, became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there still is more room. Then the master told the servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be filled, will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited, who rejected, will get a taste of my banquet. Father, I thank you for your word. It's anointed. And today as we open it, I pray, God, you'll speak to our hearts, our mind, our spirit illuminate it to us. Help us not only to understand the written word in the day it was written, but to understand how it applies in the day that we live. Take it, speak through it into our hearts and all God's people said amen and amen. Let me just kind of set the parable up before we talk about that which was written then and how it applies today. 
The great challenge of any preacher, pastor, teacher of the word of God is to take God's word and to help you to understand its context, what was being meant or said in that day, and then make application for us today. And that's what I hope to do with Pastor Candy and I today through this message. Three lessons that really come out of the parable to understand God's word in the parable is that God had prepared a banquet. And it was prepared for all so that they could come and they were invited to come and join him at the banquet table. Now, when you read it, if you'll be skimming back through uh, the scripture there in Luke, you'll see that they had accepted the invitation. They had made a commitment that they would come to the banquet. And so the banquet's been prepared for all. It's the great supper of God. And in this picture, it's a, uh, in this passage, this parable, it's a picture of the Lord's invitation that's gone out to all. All are being called. All are invited to the banquet, to the great supper with the Lord. And, and Jesus is prepared. Now, I told you that Jesus is at a feast with the the chief priests and those that were there uh, and the tax collectors and others that were around him. There's, There's those that were there. And Jesus mentions the resurrection in this whole story. And, and, and when he mentioned the resurrection, all of a sudden, one of the Pharisees shout out. It's kind of a religious spirit almost, right? They, they shout out, oh, blessed is that day when we will be in the kingdom of God. Now, the Pharisee did that because his faulty uh, theology and in his mind, he believed that only Jews would be at the Messianic feast, that only Jews would be there at the great supper of the Lord. So the Pharisee is, is, is speaking in what he knows. And sometimes, and boy, thank God that through his word, he does help us, is sometimes we're blinded by our traditions, Sometimes we're, we're blinded by upbringings and things that, that we may be accustomed to, but there's a greater revelation that God shows us through the word when we begin to understand it. God's word speaks to that in, in, in so many different ways. And here he was blinded to his understanding that only, only the Jews would be invited to that great supper. Well, we know now, those of us that are not Jews, that we are grafted in and we too who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be and we have been invited and we will be at that great supper. Can I hear amen? So the the invitation has gone out. It's gone out to many. All are, are invited. Now, those that had made the commitment to come are likened to those of us who have made a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a a sub-theme that is running here that you cannot miss it. When you give your life to the Lord, there is a process of preparation for the day that the feast is, is, is before us. Therefore, when we give our lives to Christ, there is a journey of sanctification. We're cleansing and we're preparing. We're getting ready for the day that we hear. All is ready. Come. We call that the rapture of the church. The day that we will be raptured and we will be taken with him. When the trumpet blows is likened to the day when the master said, all is ready. Go and get them because it is time to come to the great supper. It's a sub theme that's running underneath. But all are invited. And, and as we hear that and it goes out, it reminds us that, that no matter how we hear, 
The work of the Spirit is a work of illumination. He's illuminating, he's convicting, he's wooing, and he's, he's stirring, and he's changing uh, things around us to get our attention and to understand what the, the, what the Lord wants from you and I when it comes to walking with him, serving him, and surrendering our life to him. So the invitation goes out to all. No matter how you see it, hear it, read it, there's a sense that, that the Spirit is calling Man, many of us, if we took time, maybe in your life group, you can do that. In your, in your life groups, you can take time to, to hear testimonies from one another. Maybe not all at one time, but here and there. Hear testimonies of how did you come to know the Lord? How did God awaken you? How did you understand salvation? When was it that you came to understand that you needed a savior, that you couldn't save yourself, and that you turned to the Lord? I mean, I love hearing stories like that. So all are being called. There, there's a call that's being issued. The second, the second uh, uh, lesson that comes out of our parable here is not only that all are being called, but then there are many reasons or excuses that we're keeping people away. He gives us an example, and I think these are just, remember, this is a parable. These are examples that, that we could begin to look at our own examples of why are people not following the Lord? Why are people rejecting? Why did you reject? Why did I reject? What took you so long or me so long to come to the knowledge and, and to surrender and to yield? Well, the first man, his excuse was that he had just gotten involved in business. He had bought some land. He's in real estate, and he wanted to go look at his land. Maybe he bought it sight unseen. Maybe he, he uh, inherited it. Who, who knows exactly? It says he bought it, but he had to go check it out. This man was involved in business, and therefore we can relate that to the excuse of work. Making a living, our careers, our jobs, our business, that which we do that hinders us from fully yielding and surrendering. We've all seen people that have been so busy in work, in life, that they have no time to nurture their relationship with the Lord and, and to develop an intimacy with God or to go all in with God. When it comes to serving God, when it comes to growing in God, when it comes to being used by God, because they're so involved in the things of this world, business of this world, that we're not able to be used by the Lord. We, we've maybe been there, and we've, we've, we've been around people that have been there in that case, and that first excuse was a man that was so involved in business. The second excuse was that he had just bought some oxen. Well, the oxen really were possessions for him, all right? It was to make his life easier, his work easier, his job, his chores, his things easier. He was wrapped up in his purchases. Maybe we could liken that to our possessions, things that we like, things that we just got. Maybe you just bought a new car. Maybe you, you uh, just got a, a new uh, gadget. You got something that'll make your life better or easier. Maybe you just bought a, a new house, a new TV, uh, something, and you've got to get it together. You want to get it working. You know, this is what his excuse was. He just got some oxen, and he wants to try them out. The point here is that material things, no matter what they are, we must be careful that they too don't come between us and what the Lord is desiring. 
our work, our possessions can hinder us. Our, our houses, our land, our cars. I mean, I've heard so many things. Candy and I in Vienna had key, key leaders. And, and they might even be watching, so I gotta be careful because Vienna follows us. But they were key, key leaders and they bought a, a vacation house that was about an hour out of the city. It was really gonna be their, their retirement house. It was a great deal. They got it on auction. It was a wonderful thing. They were praising God for it. But then the next thing we saw is every weekend they were having to go out to repair the vacation house, the retirement home. And every weekend we found that all of a sudden where they were serving God, they were involved in, in the work of God, they were being used by God. Now, every weekend, they have gotten disconnected. Is there anything wrong with it? No, except for when it comes between us and the Lord and being used as a servant of God, our possessions can begin to get in our way. And that's the, the, the second excuse. It could be entertainment, it could be pleasure. I mean, I've watched through years people get involved in sports, uh, parents uh, with their kids in sports, uh, possessions and entertainment and so many things that really would probably fit into the category of the second man's excuses. The third, now these are just three examples that we see in our passage here, but the third has just gotten married. Now, come on, you know, when you read it, I read it. I mean, aren't we all thinking, this guy deserves a honeymoon, right? I mean, you don't have to go to church if you get married on Saturday. You don't have to go to church on Sunday, do you? I mean, when I became a new Christian and I was reading that, I was like, well, I'm gonna get married on Monday. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 and you look at that and you go, does he really have to be in church the next day? Now, when we pastored in Vienna, uh, we pastored a, a, a Nigerian congregation. We loved uh, uh, pastoring uh, the Nigerians uh, in our church, and, and we had a service just for them. And they literally would get married on Saturday, and then as a couple, they would come to church the next morning and be on the pew, and there would be another blessing that we would pray over them on Sunday morning. I was always amazed at that, you know, uh, that they would be in church the next day. But the point here, is not just that they've gotten married and, and you should be in the house of God or you should be uh, uh, involved. I mean, this is more about the great supper. Remember the context. And the point here more is that sometimes there are relationships in our life that can get between us and that which God would wanna do in and through us. We can get so wrapped up in things of the family, and I've gotta be careful because we prioritize the family, and yet sometimes we've gotta be careful that our relationships, not just our family relationships or our, our spousal relationships or with our children, but our relationships sometimes can become a blockage. Now, these are just three examples in the parable. We could begin to list four, five, six, seven. Maybe in life group, you wanna talk about a few. Maybe right now on the chat box, you wanna throw a few things that have hindered you in your walk with God, your relationship with the Lord, how you have been used by God or not used by God because of these things in your life. These are just examples. It leads us really to the question of, what is it that keeps us from responding to the message of hope What's keeping people that are outside the faith responding to the message of hope? What is it that's holding us back 
where we make a commitment to Christ, we receive the invitation to the great supper, but yet we don't walk through a process of sanctification and yielding and surrendering. Those are the things that we've got to begin to say, God, illuminate that, show that, reveal that to us so that, God, we can be people that honor you and serve you with a heart that lifts up the glory of God and the praise of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Now, I just went in the dark, and I don't know why. Was there a video I was supposed to cue right there? I don't know. Sometimes I can't keep up. But what I know is Satan, Satan uses many tools. Hear me now. Satan uses many tools to try to silence our witness as believers. He does many things to try to hinder the advancement of the kingdom of God. Maybe we get too busy. Maybe there's fear. Maybe we're shy. I mean, I don't have the gift of evangelism, but it doesn't mean that I am exempt from evangelizing, from sharing and witnessing and evangelizing with the message of hope. I'm a messenger of hope. You're a messenger of hope. And though we may not have the gift of evangelism, we're all called to be his witnesses and to take a message of hope everywhere to everyone. And so I've got to be careful to say, God, even though I may not have that gift, though I might be an introvert or I might be shy or I may not be prepared or... God, help me, I've, 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 I've allowed other things to steal my focus and I, my attention and I've allowed other things to hinder me from being what you want me to be. I've got to understand that Satan is striving to steal our witness. Now let me get to the third uh, uh, principle of this parable and then Pastor Candy's gonna come and help us to unpack a few of the practical ways of how do we do this in our modern day? How do we do it during COVID? How do we do it in a post-Christian era? How do we do it in a multicultural environment? How do we do it in busy society? That's where we want to spend the majority of our time today. But the third parable, I mean, the third principle of the parable is that Christ followers are given their job description. The Lord was very clear, go. He said to the servant, the master says, go. Go invite, go and tell, come and bring them. It is ready. You see, the Lord will not allow his plan to be stopped. And even though Satan tries to silence and he tries to hinder, what we see here is the Lord is sending out his servants. In fact, he says, go out quickly in the NIV. Don't stop. Go out and bring them in. Bring in the poor, bring in the lame, bring in the blind, bring in those that normally would not be invited to the table, those that are rejected, those that society is rejected, those that don't feel like they belong. They may not dress the way we would dress. They may not talk the way we would talk. They may not do what we would do because they don't really know or maybe the conviction hasn't brought a change. And yet we sometimes, we, we keep them at bay and here the master is saying to the servant and that is you and I, we, we are his servants. We as Christ followers are given our job description and that is to go everywhere to everyone with the message of hope. So how do we do it? I'm gonna invite Pastor Candy to come 
And Pastor Candy is going to uh, begin to take us into some of our practical points. Will you put your hands together and welcome my lovely wife. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm very fired up for this section. Hallelujah. I can tell you one thing, that this thing will not stop my voice. This will not stop my voice. I, this will not stop my voice because the fire that burns within me, whether I have it on or I have it off, it will not stop my voice. And I know that what is inside of me burns because the spirit of the living God walks with each and every one of you. If you want healing from the inside out, you get your focus, you get your perspective, you get your mind, you get your heart on the things of God. And God will intervene in every section and sector of your life. I have been in places where I have seen many of you in CLC and out and about. We've been in doctor's offices. I've been in different places. I've been in, in people's, uh, their homes or walking with them, doing things along with them at the distance of what we need. But my voice does not stop because of this. And you know that you have a phone. You know that you have a Zoom. You know that you have something within you that can help you to be continuing to be a voice for the living God. I buy little cards. I buy little things. I put them in my car because I don't know when the Lord's going to bring an opportunity. Whether I'm at a coffee shop, whether I'm driving through a drive through whether I'm in a store, whatever it might be, whether I'm walking down an aisle and somebody looks at me and they can see who I am or they may need help or I can see by the countenance of their face that the Lord says, now I want you to step over. I want you to pick something up for them. I I want you to help them and I want you to recognize that you are the light of the world. We are the salt. I want you to say that I am the salt of the earth. The Lord has led me to be the salt and I pray that in this hour that God will be bring a revival like we have never seen. Our eyes and our heart needs to be fixed on the author and the finisher. The author and the finisher. The author and the finisher of our faith. And you say to me this morning, but I carry disappointment, but I carry depression, but I carry things in my heart and my mind. I say, lay it at Jesus' feet. I remember the hour going through last year, and there were times that I said, God, I sat in the bathtub at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I would cry out to the Lord, and I would say, Lord, I weep before you because I know that your heart is close to every man, woman, and child in this moment. Let me have your heart. Let me understand your heart. Let me see things through your eyes. And I tell you, when you do that, you empty yourself and you know that it is time to live out your faith. So put that point down. Live out your faith. Live out your faith. Live out your faith. I want you to know that we have to live the life and walk the talk. We've got to walk the talk. However God's called you to do that, he says walk the talk. I know that the Lord is using each and every one and has a power to use each and every one to where you make yourself available with him. You know that the Lord can do a work inside you. You know that the Lord can help you be a touch through a phone call, through a text, through a Zoom, through something. Even whatever God desires to do, he can intersect your way. Our faith would be attractive. Now, I don't know about you. How do you get up in the morning? Do you get your sweats on and you just go out to the store and just walk like everybody else? 
Do you get up or do you put something that makes you stand out? Do you dress like you dressed before COVID? Do you dress the way that you know that there may be an hour that somebody needs to see a difference in you? Is your appearance, how are you appearing before the world? I said, God, help me that I might glorify you today, that what I do glorifies you, that whatever I do and every breath that takes that I take, may it glorify you. So I get up to position myself that when I walk out that door, it's another day. It's another day that God has given to you and I. We've got to walk that out. We've got to see what the Lord's trying to speak in and through us at this hour. You've got to be authentic. Strength comes from you. Strength comes from you by your countenance. Strength comes from you by how you talk. Strength comes from you by how you act and represent yourself. God's calling his people to be authentic and have strength and bring compassion to the world that's unbelieving. The hour is now. The hour has come. We need to live with the fruit of the spirit. Now, you know, I thought, you don't know, we went through a lot last year, and, you know, we can put some things, we can put things aside and, you know, just kind of let things go by. And the Lord really, really, really chastened me, and he says, you know what? You're living the life that I've called you to live, and that means in any hour, whether it's dark or whether it's light, whether it's good, whether it's joyful candy, I've called you to live by the fruit of the Spirit, I realized something, the fruit of the Spirit has to be constant. Love has to be constant. Joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The love that God gives, the supply that God gives to me changes how I think and how I operate by what he is doing in and through my soul. I need to understand that the way that I can encourage others is to bear the fruit of the Spirit in order to be a part of making a difference. If I'm not having the fruit of the Spirit, I'm kind of handicapped to making a difference. I need to recognize and study those attributes. You know, when I stand before the Lord one day, it's going to have to be hanging on me. Those fruits have to be hanging on me. They have to be developed. And God says, boy, I can see the fruit. I can see where you bared fruit in your life. And then I hope he can turn around and he can see, how many did you bring with you? How many did you bring with you, Candy? How many did you see needed me and you did something because you are my witness? Bring them to the Lord in times of need. We need to build, build up making a difference. That means we have to be a difference. You have to be the difference in order to make, make a difference. I was, uh, I was yesterday, I was going to the restroom. I was in a little breakfast place and there was this uh, lady coming out and her little boys had their little baseball uh, outfits on. And I said, I said, oh, they're so cute. These little boys are so cute. And she's, you're young, you're young man. I said, I've got three old, older young men. I said, enjoy these times. She turned around and she said, it's their first baseball game. And she said, I'm taking all the pictures I can. I said, take them, baby. 
I said, take them. I said, take them. I said, because time is short. Time is short. And I realized and I recognized, I said, Lord, if I could look back, I said, I told my husband last night, I said, I wish we could go back to those days. I wished I could go back and I could bring Jonathan, Christopher, and Andrew up here and they would walk across the, around on the stage and just wave at you. I wished I could go back to those days. But I want you to know something. Because time is so short, God is asking us to allow, God is asking us to speak. God is asking us to step out. God is asking us to use whatever way possible that you have means, whether you stay at home or whether you're out. That God says, use what I have given to you for this hour is so, so important. We have to see that I, one, of my, uh, my favorite, um, one of my favorite things is that um, I love to see one of our pastors, Pastor Sean, <laughs> some kind of, he's just kind of invincible, you know. I walk around, I see, I wish I could be as positive as Pastor Sean. I don't think that, uh, <laughs> yeah, he has a role in our city. He takes it very, very, very seriously. He embraces the lostness of our city, the pain of our city, the brokenness of our city. You know, we need to recognize that God's not just, we're not an island. The Lord's called us to step out. The Lord's asking us to be able to have compassion. The Lord's asking us to pay attention to the things where brokenness is. Where brokenness is. I'll tell you, I don't watch the news much. I just get enough to just get us by. And I just look at the things that God is doing right now. And I say, Lord, let me be a part. I love the fact, Pastor Sean, when we got all this, we, you know we've been doing the, um, the, uh, the food drives and all. And, and one of the things that that I see is a great compassion and heart. He intersects himself even in people that are government, with our mayor, with those that are around, those that are council. He gets into their path. He goes out into the schools. We have three schools that we work with right now. And he goes out into the schools and he goes to find the need. And he takes something so that the need can be maybe touched or met. That's not just for Pastor Sean. That's for all of us. God gives you something that you can give to someone else. We've got to increase our boldness and our faith. We have to become fruitful, and we have to become the people that God's calling us to be. There was a picture um, that was passing through all of the you know, social media during last year. I can't be able to show it to you this morning, but it was a picture of a lion, and he was walking. And it said on the, on the slogan on the bottom, it says, I thought about quitting, and then I noticed who was watching. And the lion's head was turned around, and there was a small little baby lion, whatever you call a small one, right behind him. <laughs> Cub, thank you. You can see where my brain was. <laughs> I thought about quitting. <laughs> but then I noticed who was watching. Someone is watching every one of you here. Someone around you is watching you. 
They're watching you. And if you say, I quit, then all of a sudden, you've allowed yourself to not be what God intended for you to be for someone else. Hallelujah. We're not to quit in the middle of a battle. You say, well, I don't want to. Let me tell you something. There's many things last year me and God had to get going. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of things last year that the Lord had to do in me because he knew that there was a perfection that needed to happen into my spirit so that he could take me to another level with him. Where are you today? I hope you're not at the place of quitting. I hope you're at a place of understanding that God still has more. Can you say that with me? God still has more. Can you say that with me? God still has more. Loving God, the more you love God, the more you love people. I'll just tell you, you say, well, I can love people, but can you really love people without? You can't love people without loving God. And I tell you, the supply comes from your love and your walk with God. So loving God means it gives you the strength when you don't have the strength. It gives you the strength when somebody rejects you and you still love them. It gives you the strength when they turn their back on you and you still love them. It gives you the strength when they may point their finger at you and you still love them. Come on, people. What are we? Who are we? Are we the body of Christ? We Are we the body of Christ? Are we grafted like Pastor Tom was saying? The word? Are we grafted with him this morning? It's, under, it's, very, very, it's very, very important that we come to a place that we allow our, God, our, our lives to cry out for the souls. The Lord has always worked with me. I told this to Pastor Nadine some months ago. Probably I can't keep up with time anymore. And I said, um, every country that God placed me, every continent that God placed me on, I could not leave that continent without loving the people deeply in my soul. I could not leave that country or that continent until I had a, a love that was so, so abounding that only God could give me. I remember when I was leaving, and Pastor Tom and I talk about this, I was walking through down the city of Vienna, and I was by myself, and I said, God, this is home. I said, this has become home, but I know that I'm still a foreigner in a foreign land. But this is still home. And the Lord really spoke to me. He says, Candy, you're always a foreigner on earth. Your home is heaven. Hallelujah. This is not our home. And when Pastor Tom was talking about that banqueting table, I don't know about you, but whatever table in your life that you've ever seen has been prepared, maybe it's the holidays when mom did it or, or grandma did it or someone in your family put it together and it was such a beautiful table. The table of God is hundreds and thousands of times greater that we're going to sit at. And I tell you, I can envision it. I keep that in my focus. I keep that in the forefront of my mind. And it presses me on towards the mark of what is that yet to come. The Lord calls us to be what we are supposed to be for him. And I say that each and every day, the Lord taught me that I have to fall in love with where I'm at. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to come back to America when the Lord asked me to come back. 
I don't want to come back to America because there was something about the American church that I know what's going through now. I understand why it's going through it. Because back then it was just like, we're, we, we, there's some things that are missing. But yet, through this last year, I found myself weeping, weeping for this country like I have never wept before. I wept before the Lord, and there was a love and a compassion that came from the throne room of God that changed how I saw things. It changed how I saw people. It changed how I was looking at things and what was around me. And I started to pray the things of the Spirit, not just what you want. Not what you want. Pray the things that God wants. Pray the things that are of truth of God's word. Pray the things that are, are based on the foundation of the word of God. That's what God asks you and I to do, is to pray the things of God, but recognizing he's pushing you to a place to be that example. Secondly, pray for people as if their life depended on it. Pray for people as if their life depended on it. The wonderful thing about praying, and I love, she's one of my, my favorite, my favorite heroes. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. She was a daughter that survived the Holocaust and everything that she went through. But I love her, I love what she says. She says, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something. And you enter into God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for the almighty power and nothing is too small for his love. Can I say to you this morning, we've got to understand the condition. We see the condition, but we rise above and let our eyes look to what God is wanting to do in this hour. God wants us to have a broken heart for what is happening around us, but he also wants us to pray. Can I tell you my fuel comes from seeing what God's doing. My fuel in my life gives me what I need to be able to recognize that it is imperative that I speak and that I do or that I'm walking out and that my garments are ready for heaven, but my garments are also ready to be an attraction and a representative of what God wants to do in and through your and my life. And I pray that that is the same for you. Pray as if their life depends on it. I told my son the other day, he has a very, uh, very rich friend, my middle son. We went with him on a trip a few weeks ago. And my heart just, just burdened so hard. And I said, Lord, help me to tell him, Chris. I said, Chris, you got to tell him about Jesus. I said, you got to tell him about Jesus. He said, okay, mom. I said, because you're probably the only Jesus he'll ever see because of his world and where he is and what his father does. And he says, okay, mom. And I said, you know what? Don't forget. Don't forget to make sure that you share the love of Jesus. I don't want to go to heaven and see how many that look up at me and say, why did you never say anything? Folks, 
the reality of what God's called us to be is the example that we have of Jesus on the cross. What were his final words? Jesus prays on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. His, he is our example. Our eyes and our heart and our prayer is to pray through the pain and let God work through us so that we can be a vessel. James 5.16, it says, An earnest prayer of a righteous person can, has great power and produces wonderful results. If Jesus came to your room tonight, and he asked and he answered you, and he says, I am going to answer every single prayer that you prayed last night or last week. <laughs> Would there be anyone in the kingdom of heaven because you prayed? If last night, if it was one week and you prayed, God, God answered every prayer that you prayed last week. Was any of those prayers a prayer to bring somebody into the kingdom of God? God's asked us to pray for people, but he's also asked us to pray with people. My life needs to become, you know, it's just not Pastor Nadine and I and some of the other pastors that just, all of us just, we always pray and pray and pray. I stop and pray with people everywhere I go. He's called you. He's called you to pray. He's called you to pray with other people. If you remember the, mission, the pastor that came from India a couple years ago and he spoke about the oil, at the, they had oil pails at the front of their church. And the people out there would bring their little vials because they couldn't get oil. And they would take oil with them so that they would go out on the highways into their villages and they could pray for people. They were praying all the time with people. The Lord poured out his spirit because they were doing something. They were acting upon what they know would to be true, what God called them to be. It's in time for the church to be the church. I pray that you will allow the Lord to not hold, allow the Lord to work with you so you're not hold, held back from the hour that God's called you to. If you're there to support someone else to do it, then support them and encourage them on to do it. If you can't do it, you encourage someone else to do it. If they're doing it, then you put, if they're doing it, I tell you, give them cheers. Come on, let's do this together. Do whatever it takes to allow God to use you in this hour. I pray. I want us to just pray for a moment. I know Pastor Tom's going to come and maybe just finish. I'm just asking that you'll let God wash away all your fear, all your apprehension. Ask God for strength like you've never had strength before. Ask him to use you as you step out. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your word would be a seed into our life and that we would bear much fruit. 
Lord, fruit in our lives that people can see. Activity of Christ that people can see. Lord, I pray that our light would so shine before men that they would see your good deeds, they would see our good deeds and what you're doing, Lord, in this hour. Lord, I pray that you would wipe away the tears in this room. God, I pray that you would take the disappointment in this room. And God, I hope that you help them to see who you truly are in the midst of their challenges. Because God, you want them to stand. You want them to rise up. You want them to know that the truth of who you are sets people free. Sets people free. Lord, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right because in due season, we will reap a harvest. If we do not loosen or relax our courage. Lord, if we do not loosen or relax our courage, we will reap a harvest. If you have someone you know right now, I want you to give their name to the Lord right now that you know that you need to speak to this week. The Lord's asking you to speak to them this week. Give them to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, I'm praying right now. I'm praying for John. Lord, I'm praying for Beatrice. Lord, I'm praying for Sarah. Lord, I'm praying for this person, for this person right now. Give me an opportunity. God, give me an opportunity. We need to see miracles fall in life. We need to see changes happening, God, in people's lives. Lord, help me to minister through your eyes, Lord Jesus. Help me to pray for them. Help me to reach out to them. And God, use the words that come from my mouth to be anointed by you to do a miraculous thing. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, as we come towards the end of the service, the great parable of the Great Supper is a supper to go. I mean, when you look through this passage, it's go to the highways and byways. Go quickly. Invite them all to come in. Compel them, some uh, scriptures say. But we're living in a post-Christian era. We're living in a COVID season. We're living in times where methods have got to change. And I think our prayer and my prayer has been, God, help us to understand how we continue to be your messengers of hope. And how do we, in this new time, in this new day, how do we share, compel, how do we take your message everywhere to everyone? Now, that could be a thousand different methods if we took time to talk about it. But the reality is we begin to wrestle with it personally. What Candy shared with you, which is two of the main points, we don't have time for me to share the last couple, but I'd like for you to take them as a, a point of note and maybe let it be discussion points over lunch this week in your life group. Candy said, how do we share as we live out our faith? It becomes attractive. We live out our faith. How do we share? Is it, it's gotta be something that we're praying. We're praying for people as though their life depends on it. Why? 
Because it does. Their life depends on our prayer. I love that, that question, that challenge of, if the Lord were appear to us tonight and say, I'm gonna answer every request that you prayed this week, is there anyone that would be in the kingdom of God because of my prayers? Wow, Lord, help me to be praying. Maybe begin to make a list, as she said, write three or four or five names down and begin to say, God, I want you to open their eyes. Paul says in Corinthians, they're blinded by the God of this world. So my prayer is, God, lift the veil, let them see. What's blinding them? Is it materialism? Is it what, was it one of the excuses of their work, their life? Maybe it's, it's, it's doubt or unbelief in their heart. God, lift the veil and let them see. Open their eyes, oh God. We know they have to choose. I understand the, the theology, but God, I pray that as I'm praying, I'm binding in the spirit every stronghold, everything that's blocking the word of God touching their heart. All right, your homework this week. Your homework this week is to talk with somebody, to talk as a life group, to begin to, to, begin to just unpack how do we help them? How do we help others to come to know the Lord and to walk in His grace? Well, I think we've got to help people to get past their spiritual sticking points. How do we help people get over the things that are holding them up? Talk about that this week. I would have preached on it, but because of time, we're going to move on. And lastly, I want to just challenge you that we've got to take spiritual risks to share God's grace. I want to read a couple scriptures to you in our final moments. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts receive Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. I love that verse because so many times we think of evangelism as forcibly trying to make somebody make a commitment to Christ. We maybe have an image of someone standing on the street corner and yelling and shouting at everybody that's walking by. I went to a Miami Heat game a couple years ago, and I remember there was a big truck that was outside. They had all these scriptures, and they were yelling and shouting at the crowd, not talking to anybody, but shouting at them as everybody was walking by. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder if there'll be any converts tonight. Because I don't know if that's the method that would turn most, maybe a few. Because this scripture says... We've got to share the hope that's in us with gentleness and respect. Why? We've got to help them get over their spiritual sticking points. Let me look at another scripture. Colossians 4 and verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of what? Every opportunity. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.